guys, welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips. I played Billy Riggins. So our assumption is, of course, that you guys, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. And every few weeks, we'll do an audience participation episode just to answer your questions. So please email us whatever you're thinking, whatever your questions are, whatever you want us to know at cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about season one, episode four, Who's Your Daddy? It was written by Carrie Ahrens and directed by Allison Liddy Brown. So here's our NBC synopsis. Are you ready, D? I'm ready, baby. Go. I'm getting ready. I'm getting, I'm getting... Okay, here we go. Facing the Panthers. See. Apparently you weren't ready. I'm fired. Guys, I'm fired from the podcast. (laughs) Facing the Panthers' biggest rival, Coach Taylor must find a way to bring the team together while his family falls apart. Hmm. Tim and Smash unite to plot revenge against the rival team as they vandalize their field house, and Jason struggles at the rehab center. So like last week, we're going to jump right into the episode because we have another very special guest with us today. Everyone's favorite grandma, Grandma Saracen, played by Luann Stevens, will join us in just a little bit. So, Stacey, I'm going to ask you again, are you ready? I Wait, I think this time, wait, wait. What? No, wait, I'm ready. All right, let's go. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, first off, thoughts. Uh, ooh, but that synopsis. Coach Taylor must find a way to bring the team together while his family falls apart. It's a little dramatic. Falls it's apart. So dramatic. No, it's it's that's very dramatic. There's some tension, of course, but I don't know that the family's falling apart. God, it's like Julie ran away and joined a circus and <laughs> leaving him. Okay, guys, here's um another thing I love about this episode: Friday Night Lights. We had. I, I want to say two female directors ever. One was, I looked it up and one was named Amy and I never worked with her and I never met her. But this time it's written by Carrie Ahrens, directed by Allison Liddy Brown. We have a really women, women-centric episode happening right now and it makes my heart happy. These are also two of my very favorite women to work with. So that in and of itself. Yeah. Okay, here's my, here's my deal with this episode and the way that um, I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. There are, I counted, and I think there are 8,335 scenes in this episode. <laughs> so I've broken it down into three storylines that I think make this episode what they are. And it's Coach and Tammy, mm-hmm. Street storyline, and then Matt Saracen storyline to me, which is the overarching like A story of the whole thing. Yeah. And now we dive in. You guys, we get introduced to... Another one of my very, very favorite, all-time most favorite characters on this show, Herc. 
Kirk, who comes in there just guns a blazing. I think this is all a testament to Kevin Rankin, too. God, he's a ferocious actor. I don't know if I've ever seen a character come in. He's never introduced. We don't know who he is, but you know right away exactly what this guy is and what he's all about. And like, what a way to just bust into a show that's already been established and be like, I'm here. Hello. 100%. And here's something that you guys may not know about Kevin Rankin, but like, we're similar enough types that I would bump into Kevin at auditions occasionally. And I'd see his name on the call sheet because we have to sign in when we go to an audition. Uh, it was it was really frustrating as an actor. Anytime you'd come in and see Kevin's name on that list, because I was like, and I'm not kidding when I say that probably five out of 10 times he wound up getting the job. OK, so watching Street struggle, um, trouble eating, he's still having trouble using his hands. And then. This cut, I like. This is the first time I've seen this episode. I definitely have not seen this one before. Tyra comes in. Here's what I thought was happening when Tyra came in. I for sure thought she was going to come in and act a little sweet and then be like, oh, by the way, your girlfriend made out with my boyfriend. She did not. She went in and said sorry. She said sorry for Tim Riggins and she said sorry for herself that's happening to a good person like you. That's my Ty Ty. Look at her with her big heart being sweet. I think the, the writers are still trying to figure out what to do with Tyra at this point in time, too. You know what I mean? It's like they've, it's one of these things that's happened sometimes, guys, where they've got someone on contract. They love them, but they don't know what to do with them. And so it's like, if we're going to pay this person, we got to include them in the episode. But there's still like, what is her story? What is her connection to Jason mm-hmm. Street? If she's not with Tim, what's her, her connection to the show? And I think we're going to see in some future episodes exactly what Tyra's connection to this show is. And the fact that she can have her own storyline. She doesn't need to be tied to anybody. She doesn't. And that, yeah, and the and the writers and the producers just watching her being like, God, she's really good. We need to give her something else. We can't just let her stand alone and do that thing. And then as far as Street's storyline goes, Hurt comes in and gives him that monologue about what your future holds for you. Two really cool things about Herc real quick. Herc, uh, the name was based off of Herc from The Wire because our writers were huge fans of The Wire. Uh, and another thing is that uh, Mark Zupan, uh, who is the lead, um, not character, he's a real person from uh, the documentary Murder Ball, is, is also who, who Herc is very loosely based off of. Uh, and so that's just some little tidbits of information. So Herc is going to kind of play as, as this foil to, to Street to basically get him up and get him out and you know teach him exactly what it means to be in the position that he's in now. God, that scene between the two of them. And it finally gets Street mad enough that he essentially uses his hands and he uses it to knock over all of his food. And I think that might have been like Herc's tiny little plan all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Herc will, Herc will piss you off enough that you'll you'll start getting motivated. We all need a Herc in our lives. <laughs> oh, God, it's just so yummy. Kevin Rankin, man. Yeah, uh, Kevin Rankin is great. And uh, oh, heads up to our listeners. We've already actually interviewed Kevin and you're going to get to hear from him in an episode or two down the road. Yes, cannot wait for you to hear that one. But let's get down to the most important subject in my life and my heart. Voodoo Tatum. Yeah. No, I know. I hear you. But listen, he's kind of already wearing out his welcome in Dillon, Texas. People are a little over voodoo. Buddy Garrity's not over voodoo. Buddy Garrity's not over voodoo. Oh, man. When Brad Leland says, I got my voodoo working. I literally wrote down on my notes in all caps, Buddy is the worst. I got my voodoo working. And then he does that giggle after. <laughs> he loves him some voodoo. 
Uh, Smash, not a big fan of Voodoo. He even calls him Doodoo, which I thought was- Is that right? I rewound it to make sure that that's what, that I had heard that. He did. He did call him Doodoo. Because he changes the music at the party. Yeah, I think Smash may need to work on his uh, his, his puns, but you know. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a bad nickname. Yeah, not good. Great come, up with something worse. come on, Smash, get it together. Okay, so we're, we're moving on to my, my B storyline, Coach and his wife. So apparently we learned from Julie that um, there's a party happening in their house in two days. And throughout the show, we learned that there is either going to be just the team or maybe 50-ish people, maybe 60-ish people. It ends up being over 100 people at Tandy's house that she did not know about. Those scenes at that party made me very claustrophobic. See, that's what I think this show does so friggin' well, is it just captures these little moments. I mean, there's nothing going on. And maybe that's why NBC had to... to uh, say in their in their synopsis of the show that like coach's life falls apart because the reality is it's just kind of an argument. There's an argument going on because there's a party in the house and that doesn't really sound like the kind of thing that's going to put asses in the seats to watch the show. You know what I mean? And then probably I think my favorite scene that has ever happened in the show so far, all, all, all four episodes of it, Coach and Tammy under that table. Once again, I mean, as I was saying, it's one of those things that that, that I think this show gets so right is just that th- this this kind of relationship. They have this massive little argument underneath the table. I just noticed for the first time, Tammy's got barbecue sauce on her forehead in the scene, but just one of those subtle little touches, uh, and they just nail it. And you're really starting to see this this great relationship develop between the two of these guys, where they can have these arguments, but it's not the end of the world. It's not coach's family life falling apart. It's just, No, it's not. But here's the thing, and I'll see if you agree with me on this or not. Tammy's right. Coach is very, very wrong in all of this. And the way that he's like, if you could get out here and maybe help me host this party. And it's like, first of all, you never told me there was a party happening. And I'm cooking for over 100 people. And they're trashing my house. And you're going to yell at me that I'm not smiling enough and hosting this party? Or later he's getting up, smack in the face. He wasn't yelling. He was whisper yelling. There was attitude there. I'm not going to defend his actions. He screwed up here. He screwed up. I'm just saying, coach is wrong. Tammy's right. Throughout the entire episode. Yes, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Even when he apologizes later, what does he say? I'm sorry you're mad at me. I'm sorry you're upset with me. He says, I'm sorry that you're mad at Not me. Not an apology. And Tammy called him out on it right away. There's one thing I wanted to say in particular is like when Coach is, uh, Coach is leaving the actual office and he says, uh, oh, what? I, can't, I had this written down and now I can't find it. But he says something like, uh, th- there's some poor kid sitting out in the, in the waiting area. And he says something along the lines of like, uh, hey, be careful. She's pretty pissed off today. <laughs> yeah. That to me just seems like foreshadowing of there's going to be conflict that they both work at the school with the same students for a while. And I and I lo- kind of love that. Yeah. And Carrie Aarons is a brilliant writer, but I got to think, I, I, we'll have to ask her if she's ever on the show. We, I've got to think that Kyle maybe improv that line. That feels like an improv. It does feel like a throwaway improv. We'll find out. We'll ask Kyle and Carrie. Yeah. Um, so he's he's with Matt Saracen trying to figure out like what's going on in his head. And he tells them that whatever girl that he's interested in, he needs to take her out and then get her in the back of his car. Oh, 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 oh no, coach. What have you done? I think, yeah. I mean, my favorite part of that scene, I think, well, that being part of it, <laughs> but also coach goes, I know what's wrong with you, son. 
like he's he starts the scene by saying i i and matt's like oh no he knows that i'm in love with his daughter yeah or else he's like i understand that voodoo's and he's like no yeah 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 voodoo that, that's crazy he's messing up he's messing me up so bad so also i'm sorry i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back and jump around a lot guys yeah um so at the beginning of the episode we see arnett mead come and trash the locker room because of the rivalry that is an expensive prank I don't think I've ever heard in y'all. I went to high school in Texas. There were a ton of pranks that happened, but nothing that like violent and expensive. They could go to jail. I don't know that we ever had one that big, but when I went to a a school called Westminster in Miami and our rivals was a school called Gulliver and Gulliver burned a huge G into the middle of our football field. Okay. Dangerous, but funny. Dangerous, but also expensive. Like you burnt a G into our field. I mean, that's, that's vandalism. Now they didn't but, trash our locker room like but that. But also I, f- I find that that act was, was so big and so violent, but then at the party, they throw a brick through coach and Tammy's window and it says die Panther pigs. You couldn't come up with anything better than die Panther pigs. I find them lazy. Arnett Mead, I find you lazy. Okay. Are you ready? Or go, or, I'm, I'm moving on to what I'm calling the A story. We yeah. learn and get to see so much of Saracen and Saracen's life and Saracen's grandmother. Start with Luann Stevens, you guys, who plays Grandma Saracen. So we he's, he sets up everything in the morning. She's supposed to take her pills with her lunch and blah, blah, blah. He comes back later and sees that the pills are still there. She hasn't taken the pills, but he gets her to like do it right there in front of her. And then what we learn at the end of that scene, which makes my heart happy, is that grandma watches game tape. Yeah, she's telling him to move his feet, which will be a recurring line uh, throughout the show. But that's, yeah, just one of the, one of those cute little moments when uh, when Zach, who plays Matt, uh, starts doing a, a little feet chop. She does, he does a little shuffle. I love yeah. it. But I'm like, Gra- grandma got her hands on some game tape. That's intense. <laughs> And then this is the first time that we see Matt's dad, yeah. too. Yeah. God, just a whole a, a whole other dynamic to that relationship because it doesn't seem to me like he has the utmost utmost faith in Saracen starting as quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I've always wondered where what they were trying to go for in those moments. You know, is it the dad just he doesn't believe that the kid has the talent or? or- Maybe. That he should just give up. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's a hard watch. It's hard. This like everything just falls on Matt's shoulders. I need him to get a break. Yeah. Give the kid a break. He does not get a break. Well, he maybe gets some things broken on him later. So we see this is <laughs> the part where I wrote Buddy is the worst. Voodoo comes into practice with just like a ton of attitude. Yeah, and he's late. I can't. Oh, God. If that had happened in, like, I can only attest it to, like, dance class or rehearsal or whatever because I'm a theater nerd. But you get kicked out. Like, go back. Come back tomorrow. If you're if you're not on time, if you're going to have attitude, I don't want you here. Yeah. Well, that is, I think that will eventually be uh, the effect of, of voodoo's, you know. his Of his voodoo? Of his voodoo magic? I think that's what's going to happen to Voodoo. I think Voodoo's going to, you know, eventually not be welcome as, as a Dylan Panther. 
Spoilers, is that true? I don't know. It's gonna break my heart. (laughs) That's so sad to think about. So at the party, Smash tells the guys that he found out the exact car type of the quarterback from Arnett Mead. So they're gonna go trash the car. (sighs) So many so many good things about this. I love watching Riggins and Smash overcome their differences for this one, this, this one moment where they're just going to go completely <laughs> demolish other people's property. We can put aside our differences to go vandalize Arnett Mead. Have you ever gotten to do anything like that on camera? I just kept watching it thinking how much, oh God, how fun it would be to completely smash up a car. No, nah, I never got to smash up a car. I did get to hit a guy across the face with a golf club once. What was that on? Uh, a show I did called Game of Silence. They, actually, David Hudgens. A David Hudgens show. One of the uh, producers on Friday Night Lights and one of the writers on Pr- Friday Night Lights cast me in that. And I got to got to beat a guy to, to death with a – well, I don't think I killed him. I just messed him up really badly with a golf club. Um, I do love that the the quarterback, the house that they go to, their quarterback is also number seven, which like I get is like a popular quarterback number, but it's like a, the seven against seven standoff. I did not pick that up. He has the same like yard sign mm-hmm. out front that, that everyone else does. Okay. And then Matt, oh, I'm so glad we have Luann Stevens on for this episode because God, did she break my heart. Yeah. When he comes home, he can't find grandma. He searches the neighborhood. He goes to ask neighbors who might know where she is. And he's waiting and he's waiting. And then that cop car pulls up. Yeah. And this is just one of those iconic Friday Night Lights moments that tears your heart out. Uh, she's crying in the backseat of that squad car. And Luann just does an amazing job in this scene. She's scared and Matt's scared. And it's just this foreshadowing of of things to come there's also a time when matt's on the phone with his dad and and he's like no dad the doctors say it's dementia and his dad says but she's okay now right no she's not okay she has dementia and this is really hard on me because i am in high school but matt's like yeah she's okay now stop it matt stop being so nice and then man he had to stay and get those extra hits on that car because then the quarterback saw his face And then they go and find him. And then Matt winds up getting his butt kicked. But one thing I love about this moment with Matt is he's surrounded by these guys. He knows he's going to get his ass kicked. So he just figures, well, I might as well throw the first punch. I love that he throws the first punch. Yeah, there's kind of like a part of him that's kind of – he's growing a pair in some respects. Coach says that later. Coach says you're a different kid than you were two weeks ago. And to be fair, he really is. Yeah. Yeah, and even when he, he has that moment, so he's like kind of forced to call coach or, or I guess the hospital calls coach. I don't know. Somebody has to call. No, coach. I think it's him. Like, yeah, who else is he going to? Well, he could have called Landry maybe, but we're just going to say Landry was busy or maybe grounded for something. But it, I love it. It's perfect storytelling in yeah. that he has to get in the car with coach and coach is like, yeah, uh, you're coming yeah. to a dance recital. Don't get too like excited. That. We're going to a dance recital, I think is the line. Oh, so then... He goes, Matt goes and talks to Julie afterwards and coach looks at him and you see it wash over his face that he was like, ah, crap. I definitely told that guy to get my daughter in the backseat of his car. I did that. I definitely did that. What this show really nails is this kind of young love, that that relationship that you have in high school, the first girl that you fell in love with or the first boy that you fell in love with. Man, they just really crush it. It feels like the most important thing in the world at the time. I mean, it still does when you fall in love, but God, when you're that age, it takes over every part of your being. Yeah. It's kind of terrible. It's kind of awesome. And it's spectacular. Um, I have, I have one last little question about this whole episode. Are you ready? Yes. I, I cannot stop thinking about it. 
How the heck did Tim Riggins get into Lila's bedroom? Her parents are downstairs. It's is there like a is there like a Joey Potter ladder climbing up to Dawson's room or something on the on her house? He's just sitting in there. First of all, it's kind of creepy, kind of romantic. He crawled in through a window. It's a very fine line between creepy and romantic sometimes in life as well. Okay, he's athletic, but is he agile? I don't know. I don't think so. Apparently, he is. But boy, if I, he's just sitting, and I kind of wonder how long he's been there too, just sitting quietly in the corner. I'm going to guess three hours. Probably. He's good with stillness. He can just hang. Yeah. He can just hang and be. Those are my thoughts on this episode. I'm going to tell you, it's not, it's not, it was not my favorite episode, but there are moments of complete brilliance in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I really like this episode. I mean, I think that there's, especially the stuff with Matt and Julie and all the stuff with Coach and Tammy. Uh, to me, I think it's one of their stronger episodes. And it's very, it's very clearly, I can, I hear Carrie's voice in it too, some of the writing. I just, I don't know. It wasn't my like, Uber fave. You're changing my mind a little bit. I do like it more than I thought. And you got voodoo. What's not to love? You love not that much. He's at the, he's at the party at Coach's house for a hot minute. He comes in and makes a mess oh, with boy. guys at the other parties. I don't even, he doesn't even talk in this episode. So that's what we needed was more voodoo. What, Derek, in every show of all times, we need more voodoo. The Godfather needs more voodoo. Godfather needs more voodoo. Even Leverage, a show that all this is on, needs more voodoo. Okay, we get it. When I run NBC, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> all voodoo, all the time. All voodoo, all the time. Check our network out. <laughs> Guys, give us your opinions. We want to know what you think about this episode. You can hit us up on our social media or clearasfullheartspod at gmail.com. Also... Write in and tell us that I'm right and that Tammy was right about everything and Coach was wrong about everything. Just go ahead and go ahead and write and tell us that Stacy's right. No, I want to know what you guys think. Was Coach in the right or was Tammy in the wrong? Or, or Coach in the right or Tammy in the wrong? See what I did there? Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So let us know what you guys' opinions are. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And guys, stick with us because up next we have the utmost pleasure of talking to Luann Stevens, who plays Grandma Saracen, and especially with this episode and the amazing work that she does in it, we have lots of questions for her. And uh, you're trust me, you're going to fall even more in love. All right, everyone, we are here with the insanely talented Luann Stevens, who played everyone's favorite grandma, Lorraine Saracen, a.k.a. the Grandma Saracen. You may also remember Luann from the TV show's Prime Suspect, Heartbeat, six seasons on the hit TV show Longmire, which I was also on. Luann can most recently be seen on Taika Waititi. I'm going to mess it up, and I know it. Taika Waititi's new show, Reservation Dogs, which is currently sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. She is also in the critically acclaimed feature film what Josiah saw, which will be hitting theaters in the U.S. later this year. Is there anything I'm missing, Luann? Well, my favorite thing I've done in a while, Vengeance, that B.J. Novak wrote and directed and starred in. It's not out yet. I didn't know about that. But I really, really had fun with it. That's very cool. That's very, You never stop working. I love that. So speaking of working, how did you come about getting cast on Friday Night Lights? What was your process like, the audition process? Tell us all about it. All right. I'll tell you all about it. First, I just want to say, I love you. (laughs) And it's so good to see your faces and it brings back lots of warm, warm, warm memories. I feel the exact same way. It's always great seeing you. 
I'm maybe going to cry because. Oh, don't do that. You were, you were in Dallas at a club or something and my son was playing. And uh, I think the next day he said, mom, I met somebody that's on that show with you. I said, really? Who? And he said, well, he's playing Billy Ray. Oh yeah. And he said, he says, you're a beast. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I, I just thought, oh my gosh, I've never been called that, but I love it. It's the biggest compliment yet. You're, you're, you are a beast. You're an acting beast. You got massive chops. Made me feel good, Derek. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, well, first audition was in Dallas, and then I was called back, and um, I got my call back with Peter Burke, and it was just so fun. You know, they say you're not supposed to dress the part. That's what they told me in acting class. But I still wore a torn uh, flannel shirt. Yes. And um, – Cause I can't help it. I just got to have it, you know? Yeah. So wear a torn flannel shirt and uh, I had a picture. Uh, my mother and daddy uh, lived near Vernon, Texas, and I kept their house out there. It's a little old house. And across the street is a shack that one of my cousins owns and used to live in. And I had taken a picture of it with the sun setting behind it. And uh, I mean, I just went all out. I said, uh, well, Mr. Berg, now, this is what I've been working. And, and I talked Texas just to start with. And yeah. you're not supposed to do that. Mr. Berg, this is what I've been working from, sir. And he looks at this picture, this shot. He said, do you live there? Oh, my gosh. I said, no, no, I don't. I don't live there. One of my cousins does. And he said, oh, my gosh, that's incredible. Let me look again. And I said, yes, sir. You know, everything's gone, but the sun sets up there. Oh, gosh. That's great. And he Loved it. And, you know, then he started, we started playing. He started throwing sofa pillows around and saying, this is a football, uh, catch it. What do you say? Throw me the ball back. And so we just, you know, we had a good time. We played. And, um, and then he gave me the most incredible direction when I first, you know, I didn't have any rehearsal. Did you guys? No, in your no, no, you just walk in. So uh, I sit down in my, uh, rocking chair with my house shoes on and he yells from the back don't play the dementia and uh, and that's just all I needed yeah. of course you don't play the dementia I've got relatives with dementia and they don't say crazy things they say normal things in the wrong context hmm. or several times in a row and so from that moment on I knew just just to be real, you know? Yeah. So anyway. That being said, with the with the audition that you did, did they tell you going into it, like the character description was that she was going into dementia? So we knew you knew that going into the audition? I believe my audition, the character was described as the slightly demented grandmother of the backup quarterback. And I've used that quote many times. I think the first time I saw you in your street clothes, I was like, oh, completely and totally different. So like it was just a massive juxtaposition between the character you play and who you actually are. Uh, And then on top of it, add to the fact that you've got this like very quick wit. um, It's it kind of like knocked me for a loop because I only knew you at that point as Grandma Saracen. And I can imagine that anyone else who meets you on the street is probably kind of floored a little bit by it as well. Have you had that experience? Yeah, that is fun too. Because uh, when we won the, um, 
Well, some people won the Emmy and we won the Alzheimer's Award. But anyway, I got to go to L.A. I don't think NBC wanted to pay for me to go, but somebody got them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to go out there for for the award. And that was so much fun to be. And I was really I'd gone to Neiman Marcus and gotten Mm. a cool outfit and uh, $300 earrings. And I mean, I was looking good. And then to be sitting at a table and people and you see them look and go, wait a minute. Is that the grandmother? Yeah. So it really felt, it's fun. It yeah. really felt. It really Wait, felt is that fun. true? Did we win an award for about Alzheimer's depiction on the yes. show? Yes. I, did, I, I had no idea. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Look at me learning stuff about our I feel show like I knew this, Luann, but what was the specific award? Can you remember? Yeah, I'm going to have to go look it up. I know it was at the Beverly Hills Hilton. Yeah. I think it was from the Alzheimer's. Uh, society and it's given once a year and it was given for the depiction of the grandmother in Friday Night Lights. Huh. I love that. Uh, Jason was, um, you know, Kadams was there. I don't think Kyle was there. Well, uh, quite a few people were there when we went up on the stage mm-hmm. and Scott Porter was so sweet. I mean, they made me go out first and, um, you know, it was just kind of cool. I mean, it was really neat. That's the only award, national award I've gotten. What kind of preparation did you do uh, for Grandma Saracen? I mean, did you study Alzheimer's? I know you just said that you have family members or or, or friends that that have been have suffered from dementia. As far as Alzheimer's, no, because once I realized she's just a regular person and her thinking is confused, you know, people aren't always confused, so you never know really if what they're telling you is right or not. So you're always off balance when you're dealing with somebody like that. And I think that's the way Grandma Saracen was. Yeah, I was going to say that was the thing about Grandma Saracen is that there were moments of complete and total clarity. And then there were moments where it was like she would say something that was just a little off. Like I remember she says in one of the episodes, uh, make sure to go water the children. Yes. And you're like, children? He said, you said children. She's like, no, I didn't. But then also, also the moment of where it becomes i've i've dealt with this quite a bit in my family that moment where y- you are having a clear a clear thought and you realize oh, i don't understand what's happening and when you pull up in that house in the back of that cop car and you're crying and like we know that it's set in a little bit for grandma too like who it hit it hit all of the all of the like familiar bones in my body it was dead on perfect <laughs> yeah that's the one i w- i watched just before we started this and um, that feeling to wake, to see that you're in someone else's house because she knew enough then to get home. She remembered her grandson's name. Uh, Either the policeman knew her or she could describe where she lived. Um, Did you guys notice, or what did you think about the way she was different each year? I mean, like it seems some years she was almost like a comic relief. Yeah. And then there would be a year where it was a serious Alzheimer's and then then she got better. So I think it was just kind of whatever fit in that year. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is that, you know, that's one of the fascinating things that we've we've discussed with some of the other guests uh, and and just in general, Stacey and I having this conversation is that 
the show kind of starts out and we've got these broad strokes of who these people are. And as the show grows, you get to see three dimensions of almost every character. I mean, even characters that from the very onset, you're like, oh, I don't like that person. And then by the time the show's over with, and even, you know, as far as we are right now into the fourth episode, you're starting to see other layers of characters come into play. And that's something that I think is really fascinating about the show. And a lot of shows don't necessarily do that. I agree. And also that every single character, even if they have one scene, every single person was wonderful. You know, if it was a nurse who came in and said something to uh, Jason Street, I believed it was a nurse. I mean, I just don't know of any better casting that I've ever seen. And of course, we did win an Emmy for that. Massive compliments to uh, Linda Lowy and Beth Sepko, Beth Sepko specifically for uh, all the local casting in Texas. And then something about the pairing of you and Zach Guilford, guys Zach Guilford played Matt Saracen, just seemed perfect from the get-go. Did it Did it just work out that way? Or did you guys talk about things before you were shooting, your relationship? No, it just worked out that way. And I think it was just, I don't know whether, you know, you believe in the universe or fate or God or whatever, but Zach and I still have that connection. We did a different um, podcast and um, we both started crying. I mean, we haven't seen each other while and um his mother was on set one day they were visiting from chicago and um she said you know he treats his real grandparents the same way and um he was always apologizing if he happened to say damn or something like that um, <laughs> he just is just a charmer and i agree with you i mean from the beginning it just it just clicked with him can I ask you when the last time you watched Friday Night Lights was? It's been a long time. My husband's watching it again. My daughter's watching it again. I was just down there and she wanted me to watch it with her. And I don't know. Do you all like to watch watch it? I never have. This is my this is my first time really watching the show. It's been really hard in, in a lot of respects because it's it's I mean, there's just a flood of emotions. Number one, it's it's interesting to watch it again from the perspective of not having seen it in 12 or 13 years. And uh, and so there's some stuff that you're like, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And just having a whole new respect for all you guys, because I, I was a fan of everybody else on this show as much as I was a part of it, you know, but it's really interesting to have that distance now and to be able to watch it from the perspective of, of essentially just a fan. But then there's also the really difficult part of watching it and going, man, that was such a wonderful time in my life. And I miss and I love these people so much. It's really hard to watch it on that level because there's just a flood of nostalgia. You, you said that very well. That, As I said, I was just in Austin. My daughter moved from Portland to Austin. Her furniture didn't come for two months. But anyway, and she, she said, come on, I'm watching Friday Night Lights. I'm on season five or something. I said, nah, I don't want to. I'll go unpack this box. Mom, come on, I want to watch it with the actress. I said, you know, I just, I don't, what is it? That I want to save it? That I want to keep it in a box? I don't know. Oh, I completely get it. it, it I really had to rearrange some stuff in my head to go back and watch this. But now with cl these clip clear eyes, I, I said that with no irony. Honestly, for the first time... I, it's maybe just now hitting me how special our show is. I heard it. I knew people talked about it. I knew people loved it. But I'm like, no, you guys were right. The show is good. That's what happened to me today. It's better even than I knew. And I knew it was great. 
But you said something just now that was really interesting, this this idea that you kind of want to put it in a box and hold on to it. And I, I kind of feel that same way when I was reached out to do this to do this podcast, there was a part of me that said, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that. Cause I, I have this idea of what this show is and it's been, it's part of the reason I don't go back and watch it because I, I want to keep it precious, you know? And I, that hasn't changed anything. I, I think maybe I, I was afraid that if I went and rewatched it, that it wouldn't be, that it wouldn't feel that way. It feels different now, you know, having some distance. Uh, but I'm, I'm just so thankful to have been a part of it. Okay, I'm going to lighten it up a little. Holy <laughs> God. Okay, so you said this was your first on camera, this show? This is my first series. I had done commercials and some movies and so forth. And how did how did it happen that acting came into your life? Or you were a teacher before that, yes? Yeah. So when I was growing up, uh, really women, I would have probably wanted to be at that time a preacher um, a DJ, a newscaster, but women could be teachers, nurses, secretaries, and homemakers. And there might have been a few, and this was in the South. I don't know what it was like in New York City. And a teacher fit me. In fact, that's what I think I really am best at. So I taught um, high school and some college. I got my master's in uh, American literature at Tulane when my husband was in medical school. And I never dreamed of being a professional actress. But I always did plays. I did a play in ninth grade. I did a play in 12th grade. That's where I met my husband. He was Dr. Gibbs and I was Mrs. Gibbs. You guys, they did a production of Our Town together in high school and then they got married. It's so heavenly. And 57 years we've been married and uh, he spoils me greatly. He's a huge fan of anything I do. He just thinks it's so cool. Um, So anyway, I kept doing plays wherever we had moved for his training. I would do a show because it was in me just never knew. And then somebody said, why don't at church said, why don't you see about being an actress? I said, eh, that's not going to work out. But I signed up for an acting. Oh, I wouldn't have done it. But my doctor, my internist, I was talking to him at the meet at the appointment. And he said, you know, I'm taking an acting class. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm picking an acting class. I thought, well, gosh, how weird could it be if my doctor's doing it? So I signed up. And when was this, Luann? This was my internist. I was at an appointment. Uh, no, but when? Oh, um, 85 probably or six, 85 or six. Because, um, I mean, I'm old now. I was in my 40s when I started. And um, so I went, I signed up. I didn't go to the first class. I'm usually not like that, but I was nervous. And I thought, eh, how bad could it be? And I went. And immediately he said I could be working in Dallas. I said, what, a waitress? What? He said, no, I mean an actress. And he put me in a showcase and somebody asked to be my agent. And I don't know. It just, you know, it just kind of evolved. Yeah. I've never had it as the center of my life. Uh, but it's really a fun thing to do when you can get jobs. So amazing. I've I've known I've wanted to do this since I was six years old. And so I have chased it, but it seems like the opposite, like it found you because it, it like searched the acting world, searched you out, knew it needed you. So it found you. And your husband's cool with you being a big shot actress? Oh yeah, he loves it. He doesn't get <laughs> upstage when you guys are out at dinner and people ask for photographs. 
Yeah. He says, oh, you're doing a podcast. Wow. <laughs> Very fancy. As to what uh, Stacy was saying, you know, if if there had been role models of doing that, maybe I would have known at six instead of just thinking, well, I like to play dress up. I would have thought, oh, I want to be an actress. So I think it was in both of us probably from yeah. from birth, basically. And when people ask me if if their kids should be an actor, I say, well, if it's in them, let it come out. But don't don't try to make it happen. There's too much rejection. So hard. There's too much time you're looking for a job. You know, people only see you on TV and they think you've worked all year. No, I worked that one day. I've always said, like, when people ask me if, the, you know, my kid really loves acting, should I get him into classes? Like, get him into classes. You know what I mean? But don't make it so focused on trying to get jobs and getting an agent and getting on TV. Like, that stuff will come if it's something that he really, really wants to do, I guess, at some point in time. But I think I think there's something wonderful about what we do in terms of, like, trying to, to put ourselves in the shoes of another person. Oh, yeah. Just learning communication and empathy. I teach too. That's the other thing that I do. And I especially like the, the, the young, young kids, just storytelling. It's in all of us. And I think every kid can benefit from that. You know, yeah. I mean, the same way that I played football growing up, but there was no chance of me ever playing on a collegiate or even professional level, you know, but there were still wonderful life lessons learned by, by competing and playing a team sport and all that. And I think we need to, to do a little bit more of that. It's really even good for us as professionals to remember, um, if you can think of it not as a competition, but as your creativity coming out, however that may be, whether it's paid or not paid, you're an actor, you're doing it. And once I got to that point, acting got a lot more fun than trying to, well, somebody else could do this better. I'm no good. Look at all those people. They're all better. And once I just say, you know what? Maybe they are better. It doesn't matter. What matters is I have this God-given thing, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And it doesn't matter where I do it. It doesn't matter if I'm paid or how much I'm paid. Now, first, you have to marry a doctor for that to work out for you. Okay, wait. I'm right. I'm right. It's that number one, marry doctor. Okay. My dad, when I told him I was going to go to school and study theater, he was like, that's fine, but minor in table waiting. So you always have to have that fallback. Marry a doctor or wait tables. It's the choice is yours, guys. The world is your oyster. It's fine. I think Mark is the one who told me about the, is it the four stages of the actor or the five stages of the actor where it yeah. says, uh, it's who's Derek Phillips? Uh, get me Derek Phillips. Get me a younger version of Derek Phillips. Who's Derek Phillips? One time somebody said to me, "Don't you? Aren't you scared of getting typecast in these Texas old lady Texas roles?" I said, "No, typecast me first. I'll work out of that. But give me jobs, and we'll see what happens from there." I like. No, I would never get upset about a job. Thank you for my job. And I'll just add one thing. When I watched the episode today. Um, and like I first said, you know, I wondered if I wanted to keep it in a box. I realized I don't have to. Yeah, It's that damn good. <laughs> Not going to change just because I watch it. And I thank everybody that's listening to this and know that we, we love you. We're all in this together. And I hope we'll meet again in Austin for another reunion. 
Guys, that's it for episode four. Thank you so much to one of the loves of my life, Luanne Stevens. And tune in next week when we talk about episode five. But before that, we'll release a bonus episode where we'll answer some fan questions. We want to hear from you. Please send us your questions and burning thoughts to clearizefullheartspod at gmail.com. Until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. We got it right. Oh, you guys, that's it. That was perfect. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Orstano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Mandy Wimmer. Please send your questions to Pod at gmail.com and find us on social media. I'm at Stacey Orstano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, Cadence13.com and Black. BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.